Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hi, Internets. Dave. Howdy, Internet. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good thing, Craig. Good. And that was a seamless intro. That is a good thing. All right, my All turn. right, Dave. No, no, good. no, no. That's not my real good thing. <laughs> I mean, it is a good thing. Um, mine's actually quick. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was at Micro Center. I was trying and failing to get a video card because everyone has decided they need a, a new video card now for Christmas. And that's a shame because I need to get a video card for my wife for Christmas. Uh, I believe a couple of like video card makers recently put out the, the new hotness. And it's yep. supposed to be really good and also relatively yep. cheap. Yep. And as as a consequence of that, they don't exist. Yep. I know that full well. But hey, good luck <laughs> your in the future, like maybe a five, Craig. <laughs> maybe, maybe you'll be able to. Well, same thing. PS fives are like unable to get. I think. Anyway, I was at Micro Center and I bought a new mechanical keyboard. It was Ooh. there. It was cheap. It was like forty bucks, uh, maybe forty five. I don't know. And um, if you play Super Metroid Dragon? on keyboard, you can just completely deafen everybody you're playing with. <laughs> I don't do any of those things. Um. Anyway, it's it's the brand is Red Dragon. Uh, I don't know if it's, like, Micro Center exclusive or what. I don't know anything about it. I was there. It was cheap. I'm like, hey, it's a mechanical keyboard. I've been wanting to use one of those. Uh, I need a new keyboard. Let's get one. It lights up. It has, like, 18 different lighting modes, which are cool. It feels pretty good. I have to get used to it, though. I do tend to type accidental keystrokes just because I'm not used to using a mechanical keyboard. Um, But it's I'm impressed, and I've only been using it for a few days now. So that is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's. I was surprised because I thought mechanical keyboards were going to be expensive. And like I said, when it was like, I don't know, $45 American money, um, I thought that was pretty good. So I, I'm already impressed. We'll see if in a year it remains so. So, all right. Um, yeah, I have wanted a mechanical keyboard for a really long time. Um, but I also use a computer after my wife has gone to bed and yeah that's that won't work so are those the kinds that go clickety clack i love the clickety clack i have a yeah. red dragon keyboard as well oh yeah oh that's cool yeah it, i mean i got it on amazon it's keyboard and mouse together for like 30 or 40 bucks um the last and... one i got was a little weird like the the backslash button would kind of trigger the enter button and sometimes the backspace button would as well which is when you want to hit backspace and it triggers enter, that's a really, really, really bad thing, essentially. Yep. yep. Um, but I've since replaced it with another Red Dragon one. I mean, I probably could have just had that one replaced immediately, but I never got around to it. Then I threw up on that one and bought a new one, and the new one works great. It, it's a few months ago. <laughs> that uh, story had ago, a lot I got of a new mouse that, that is ROG. It's called a ROG Gladius 2. Mouse for Rogue. Um, and it's the same. It, like, it lights up, and I thought that was really cool. <laughs> I'm a dork. Um, I don't know. I just like the like. I, I want to make sure there's enough buttons when it comes to my mouse for gaming purposes. Um, and the fact that it lights up, I'm like, and you can set different lighting modes. I'm like, all right, that's cool. So then I got my keyboard, 
to match it. But man, I really like this keyboard. Do you have the Red Dragon keyboard with all the different, like, it's, you can change the color, like there's a rainbow one, and then you can have it yeah. flashing, and then you can have it, like, fade in and out, and then yep. you can pick the color, like, it can be red or green or cyan or yellow or white. Yeah, I really, uh, I really like the aesthetic of this keyboard, it feels really good. Like I said, the last keyboard had that malfunction, but otherwise was fantastic, um, and this is just, like, the one I had before, but not broken, so it's good. Aside I'm, I'm doing a different one... lighting mode every day. Aside from that one critical point of failure, where super I threw good. up on it. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So Dave, uh, your good thing this week is that time you threw up on your keyboard. No, although that was a fun night. Um, but... <laughs> it sounds like it. <laughs> I was playing Phasmophobia and it was a revenant, and I did die. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, my good thing this week is a different game. It's a game that's been out for quite a few years. I bought it a few years ago, and I'm only just now getting around to playing it. It is called Hollow Knight. I've been playing it since less than a week ago, and I have 35-plus hours in it. And it is just a beautiful, gorgeous, magnificent game. I would say best video game I've played since Baba Is You. And since wow. they're not really comparable, you go, if they're not really comparable in gameplay, that's a great gift. Thank you for unlocking. Um, they're not really comparable, the two games. So, like, and you know how much I love Baba Is You. So, that's how amazing this game is, how much I've been blown away by it. Not even finished. I'm not even done, like, the first, like, main quest that the game gives you. Uh, but, uh,. Right, right off the bat, aesthetics are amazing. Just the graphics are gorgeous. The the quote voice acting is just so lovely, you I guys. I mean, say, I love even, the voice. The voice they don't thing. even they don't even say real words. They just it's all gibberish, but it's just beautifully like directed and spoken gibberish. Well, because <laughs> like, they, they have actual inflections and everything. They're telling yeah, yeah, you something. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I. Uh, so, yeah, the the controls are just, like, the controls are insanely precise in a good way. Like, when you press jump, you jump until you let go of jump, and then you begin to descend. When you press forward, like, having played many different games, you know, and, I, you know, my favorite game is Super Metroid, um, which also has really precise, tight controls. But it's even, it's, like, less floaty than Super Metroid, too, so it's also really good. Like, there's just... Some really good kind of hidden mechanics that you can work through as you go as well. So mechanically, really fun game. Uh, the challenge is there. I'm not finding certain parts as difficult as other people may have, but I'm I'm getting to a point in the game where like even even the exploration part of the game is tough. Like the boss fights can be kind of tough, but the game gives you the resources you need to explore safely. Like it's it's fast versus fun, I guess. Like you can try to go and explore things kind of recklessly, or you can take your time and be careful. And you can alternate between the two. Like, I'll, I'll basically just kind of plow through enemies and spikes and stuff and get hit a bunch and be reckless until I'm, like, low on resources. And then, like, the, so, like, basically the game gives you a healing mechanic right off the bat as soon as you start the game. And you can charge your healing spell just by attacking enemies. Like, you don't even have to kill enemies to uh, be able to heal. Like, you just have to hit them a couple of times to heal health back. So, like... It's really lenient in the exploration side mechanically, but then, you know, the challenge comes more in the boss fights. Uh, and 
the story i'm only like sort of getting into the story part of the game so far uh it kind of like it's one of the games that just kind of like drops you in and lets you really feel the game you know before throwing exposition or any kind of story at you and i really appreciate that as well just fantastic game uh, 35 hours in it i'm probably going to try to full clear it and then start playing randomizers it's just amazing hollow knight if you've never heard of it and Ruinlock posted a gif <laughs> which is really awesome hey wait bug kid has arms anyway that's my good thing all right um yeah so hollow knight is along with uh i would say ori like one of one of the best metroidvanias to happen in the last decade man i need to play ori that's on my to-do list same oh, we the should music. play it at the same time we could we could do it. i mean i got some time maybe we could oh i don't know blind race oh, yeah. We want to do like a race. I don't want to do blind a blind race. race. No, I don't want to do a race. Blind I race. Just enjoy it's it. the kind of game that I wouldn't want to try to get through quickly. Blind uh, asynchronous yeah, race. And Ori's really well known for its soundtrack as well. Hollow Knight has really good music that really fits the aesthetic. Um, I've, I'm avoiding actually sitting down and listening to the original soundtrack for Hollow Knight. I, I'm looking forward to enjoying it after I beat the game. I wouldn't say that it's like top tier, like it's not Cave Story or Undertale level, but it is really good and it fits the aesthetic amazingly. All right. Uh, so my good thing this week is really quick. Um, it is currently the month of December as of the time of recording, and right now McDonald's has holiday pies, which are their standard pie crust filled with a vanilla custard and topped with sprinkles. And it's delicious. That sounds that delicious. Right yeah. Mm. And getting them this month took me three separate attempts. Why? From, from three separate McDonald's. Oh, they're just out? The first place had it on the menu I could see, but not the menu the cashier could see. Oh. And I didn't feel like making a case of it. Uh, the second place was just out. And then, yeah, the third place had them. And I was expecting to have more trouble with it at the third place but i was like yeah could i get four holiday pies and they're like yeah nice you want anything else <laughs> nope just holiday pies no, i, I got i, I got know that was the thing i mean mcdonald's generally has like apple pies all the time and then there's like a seasonal pie that like swaps out but the seasonal currently is holiday for the month of december and it's delicious so that was my good thing tori nice. good I read a book this week. It's called Perdido Street Station by China Mieville, and it was really good. It, um, I, I, I was telling a friend that, oh yeah, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is one of my favorite books because I love the, the, the formality of the writing and that, cause it's very old. And so they <laughs> put a lot more thought into their sentence structure back then, you know what I mean? And, and the vocabulary and how it's just so, elegant and so my friend was telling me oh you should read perdido street station it has all of those things and also a very compelling story it is weird um it's about a scientist who's doing uh experiments with flight and so he is studying creatures that fly and somehow through the underground he gets slipped this uh caterpillar which actually evolves into a dangerous animal and and he didn't know it as he was studying it and so events kind of unfurl um but just the descriptions were amazing like i had to break out the dictionary several times as i was reading it which is very unusual for me but um it you read it for the descriptions of the city it takes place in 
not so much for the story. It it was really good, you guys. Uh, all right. Anybody got anything for that? I'll I'll take your silence. That's gonna be cut out of the final edit as a no. Uh, okay, then Dave. Uh, some chapters happened this week, right? Oh yeah. Maybe I even read some. I I might have even possibly read Brandon Sanderson's Words of Radiance, chapters twenty nine through thirty four, concluding part two. Wait, wait. Is it Just Brandon yes. Sanderson's or is it Shalon's book, Words of Radiance? That the one she had to read. The one that her definitely alive friend Yasna gave to her. You know, yeah, it's that it, one. It strikes me now that the title on this book is one heck of a cold shot. When when you say it as Brandon Sanderson's words of radiance, like yeah, these are really good words, you guys. <laughs> he wrote them. Like Brandon Sanderson's really really good book. You're gonna like this, you guys. Yeah, Brandon Sanderson's words of radiance. Words of radiance. <laughs> All right, uh, chapters twenty nine through thirty four. We're finishing up part two today. Chapter 29, Rule of Blood. Sadius is still a jerk. Amaram is a slightly less jerk. And then new scene, Adeline is faking. Uh, so we get another Sadius viewpoint. Not the first. Uh, but, you know, it's a Sadius being a jerk, trying to plot against everything that our heroes are striving for. Uh, and we, we do get Sadius. And remember, Amaram is actually uh, in Sadius's army, even though he... He likes Dalinar, he's friends with Dalinar, but he's in Sadius's camp. And, you know, he's... Something about this chapter gave me the impression that, like, Amaram at least thinks that what he's doing is noble. I mean, really, like, he's probably... Outside of, you know, murdering all of Kaladin's friends, is is probably not that bad of a guy. Uh, that's the impression I got from this scene, and I don't even remember Adeline being in this chapter. So Adeline is faking, <laughs> faking what I don't, I don't remember. Just, the just duels. Great. Oh yeah, he's the duels. It was the duels. <laughs> yeah, they're they're watching. Right. They're wa- that's right. They're watching. Sadius is watching Adeline duel, and he's like, "There's no way, Adeline's bad. Oh my gosh, you guys. There's no way Adeline's this bad." And there, they have it. Chapter twenty nine. Rule of blood. So. If you remember Dent saying uh, everyone's the hero of their own story sort of thing. I thought you said that. Well, that that's the message that Dent was trying to get across. That was the, that was the Jason Muse one, right? <laughs> Not to... yeah. yeah, I remember. Okay. You mean that time when Dent was lying? <laughs> <laughs> all the time. Uh, he but, lies all the time. It's the same thing. Like, Amaran has a reason now. for doing what he does, and he thinks he is... Right, doing what's best for the for their the their whole society is like, oh, don't don't trust dark guys. Like dark guys aren't worthy to be protecting the kingdom or whatever. And like you know, Kaladin proved himself by defeating and killing a shard bearer. But like Kaladin's dudes didn't do that, so we can't trust Kaladin's dudes with with a blade, you know. And yeah, no one's gonna believe that. Kaladin gave up a shard, so, you know, Adeline, or rather Amaram, still has to project something credible. I don't know. So, like, he's still a jerk, but slightly less of a jerk in my eyes after his interaction with Sadius. That's about it for chapter 29. Uh, I do appreciate that we have some shorter chapters in the last couple of weeks, so it's it's easier for me to break down throughout the week. Uh, but, unfortunately... I forgot Adeline was in this chapter. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was. It, I don't even. I don't think Adeline even was a viewpoint. It was just Sadius the whole time. But yeah, yeah. Oh, there you go. Unfortunately, it means less like big old long string of bullet points, and then me forgetting what's happening halfway through the chapter. But fortunately oh. for you guys, I'm gonna make a little bit more sense. Or unfortunately, depending on how you look at it. I mean, I enjoy the ones where you forget and then you read your own bullet point, you laugh at it because it's funny to you, you have no idea what it has to do with, but you laugh at your own bullet point. <laughs> those are those are entertaining like for me personally. I don't know about anybody else. Oh, we try to reach a wide variety of, you know, different tastes in this podcast, maybe. <laughs> Anything else about Chapter 29? Uh, Walk me through Adolin's duel. What, which one was that one? <laughs> It's Isn't the one the, he, where he won. He's he's dueling Ernit, um, Erniniv, Erniniv, <laughs> whatever Tori says. That's that's the correct pronunciation. Erniniv. Um, and he's of course playing it easy so that way people think that Adeline's an, an easy person to duel against. Like, yeah, I could totally win against him. Some of the stronger people, because that's the whole idea. Is he has mm-hmm. to go from the bottom up because nobody wants to duel with him. Because he's still Jenny from the block. Like, he's dueling well, but he's trying to make it look like he's just under Iranov's skill level. So that when he wins, it looks like, oh, it was just luck. So we should try fighting him ourselves because we're going to do better than him. Like, yep. like, it was all luck. Yeah, but Sadius is on to him, so rip that idea. Sadius I also... I really like in this chapter how you see Sadius uh, and his wife together. Um, They're pretty just cute together. Little, They're a good couple. couple moments, yeah. Um, very, I, you know, I, I like the the humanizing scenes like that. Yeah, not as good as Cornifer and Iselda from Hollow Knight, but still very Humanizing cute. our villains? What? Who mm-hmm. does that? Brandon Sanderson Johnson. Uh, all right, so how about chapter 30? Chapter 30, Nature Blushing. Gaz fan art. Shalon is kind of strange. That was from the actual... The, the <laughs> Who makes Gaz fan art, really? Shalon does. Shalon I mean, does. well, we see the illustration that Shalon made. That's, you know, before the actual chapter begins. And you can see just, like, in the little corner, there's, like, a guy with his spear going, like, Bleh. and I'm like, oh, he's got an eye patch. That must be Gaz. And then you read the chapter and you actually have Gaz come up to Shalon and ask for a picture. So Gaz fan art. Shalon is kind of strange. Shalon draws Gaz. Shalon burns gold. Tyne's friends will punch Shalon in the face. Shalon is planning to impersonate Adeline's betrothed. So here we have Shalon. She's like, ooh, flowers, pull over. So they pull over. Um, but, you know, not like, oh, flowers, they're so pretty. But kind of like a, in a scholarly way, like, I want to study these plants and see how they are growing in this frozen tundra kind of way. And, you know, Gaz is there and Gaz asks for a picture like the one she drew of Bluth, one, one of the... Uh, this is this is who you are on the inside or who you could be kind of drawing, right? And then Shalon contemplates whether she could be an artist, could be... It reminds me of Dancing Nancy's by Dave Matthews Band. Uh, I won't sing it. I'll spare you guys. It's a great song, though. Uh, 
but anyway, she's contemplating, you know, could I be a woman of the court? Could I be an illustrator? Could I be a scholar? What, like all this potential that I have in me, which of these things could I be if different events? So she's, I mean, it's basically the same thing Vin did when she burned gold for the first time, right? Seeing different sides of her and how she could have been or can be based on how events in her life are going and the decisions she makes, you know? It's kind of like Vin was like, Vin was like, am I this... When, when Vin Burn Gold, am I this street smart, you know, punk going around and stuff? Or am I this high society, beautiful woman at the ball? And like, really, Vin, Vin eventually learns that she is both, and both aspects of her past play into who she is and who she needs to be. But the burning the gold kind of separates those two things. Uh, which, you know, Shalon isn't literally, she, she's not an allomancer. And, uh, but that's kind of, it's kind of that moment of reflection that Shalon has, which was akin to how Vin felt when she burned gold. And Shalon talks to Tyne, and Tyne's like, girl, you gotta get punched in the face. Just wait till we get and meet my friends on the Shattered Plains. Uh, so Tyne is taking Shalon under her wing, you know, Tyne is teaching Shalon how to improve as a con woman, which Shalon isn't really at all. She's kind of conning Tyne into thinking that she's a con woman so that she can learn from her. Uh, but Tyne is just like, sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeve, even your safe sleeve. That's not the saying we have. <laughs> That's just from a different You got to do secret book. stuff sometimes. And sometimes you, you have to... So, so <laughs> she's being a con artist. Just the mark is a different person than what Tyne thinks. Yeah, we'll see what happens to Tyne pretty soon. I guarantee it happens before the end of book two or part two. And anyway, it was just kind of funny. She's like, Tyne, Tyne's like, oh, you got to meet my friends. And then sometimes you just got to like life's going to punch you in the face sometime, like kind of back to back. She says there's two things. So like I'm imagining this scene where Tyne literally introduces Shalon to her friends in the Shattered Plane and they actually punch her in the face. <laughs> That would be pretty funny. Uh, and then Shalon lets Tyne in on the con that she has planned on the Shattered Plains. Shalon is going to impersonate Adolin's betrothed, or Adolin, or Adolin, or however you pronounce it. And obviously, Shalon really is Adolin's betrothed. Ed Tyne doesn't know it, but Tyne's like, that's a good con. You, you, you could pass off as that. And that's kind of where we leave off at Chapter 30. Isn't that the perfect con, though? Well, not really, because... Pretending to know. be the person that you actually are. <laughs> I've never managed it. Yeah. All right, Dave. I have a thought experiment for you. Mm. All right. You brought up some similarities between Vin burning gold and Shalon mm. drawing fan art and, and thinking <laughs> about herself, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, with your knowledge of the Cosmere and Investiture and how magic works, tie those together. See if you can make them work on a meta level within the framework of the magic system. Uh, it reminds me of Dune. Dune? Dune is yeah. not, to the best of my knowledge, in the Cosmere yet. <laughs> we, we have not you, tied dude, that what in. A, what a great Give crossover, us time. though. Give us time. So, hold on, hold on. Do you remember? Hold on. Dune is one of the major inspirations for The Wheel of Time, which Brandon finished. There's a character named Set in The Wheel of Time. There's also a character named Set in uh, Way of Kings, 
Wheel of Time is part of the Cosmere. Dune is part of the Cosmere. Go. No, that's too weak. We've People done can it. have the same name. This is a Half-Life reference. All right. Um, so, do you guys... Uh, and I've only read the first Dune book, but Prince, what's his name? He would he would burn the spice, and it would kind of give him visions of the future, and he could see how you know, like he could see different scenarios playing out. Like if X happens, then this is what the future will be like. If Y happens, this is what. If Z happens, you know, this is what we can expect. So that's what it kind of reminds me of. Like there's some kind of mystical like. A multiverse thing happening, and they're at the branching point and deciding which which path to take forward. Uh, should I spoil parts of Dune to correct some of that? Um, if they're minor spoilers or if they're just spoilers for the first book, I'm okay with that. But it's also up to you know, in respect to the listeners as well, since this is non-spoiler time. All right, I'll leave it alone since there is, like, a major big-budget film that has already been made and is being held off on being released. Okay. You can talk about it in spoiler time and correct me. I probably won't. I'll probably forget <laughs> by then. Yeah, alrighty. You guys still have to talk about uh, Rhythm of Wadiance, probably. <laughs> Rhythm of... Rhythm. <laughs> That's what we call it, too. <laughs> Why did Brandon have to use the same initials for two different books in the same series and then swip flop them? Oh, it's a well, because, yeah. because as you've already mentioned, uh, palindromes are sacred on Roshar. Uh, so the, so the first five books of the planned ten books Stormlight are um, Akedic. Um, yeah, we've we've we already begun know. wild speculation on the title of the fifth book. No, there's no wild speculation. It's Kings of Way. <laughs> Kings of Way. <laughs> well, because we've got Way of Kings, and then Words of Radiance, then Oathbringer King... is in the middle, and then Rhythm of War. So the fifth book is going to be K of W. Well, so the issue is that it's the book is actually called The Way of Kings. So it might be Kings of Way The. We don't know yet. It's sort of like a it's sort of a question. Will Wait, Brandon include Oath... that last Oath... T? Oathbringer is one word, right? Oathbringer. Yes. It's just one word. Okay, so it's got to be in the middle, unless we're actually extending it to ten titles. We don't. No, think he's, so. he's doing it for the five. Uh, he's already admitted he wasn't sure he was able to pull it off, and I think it was after. Uh, uh, I think it was Oathbringer crazy. actually. Wait, this is real. This is Brandon confirmed. Like the the the, the monogram of the first. <laughs> Originally, he was he wasn't going to do it, and then once the title for Oathbringer was determined, he's like, "Wait, I can pull this off now." So he's pulling it off. Palindromatic monograms, keeping on with Taravangian. Maybe she's still alive. That, that, does, three that does work. K O W T. All right. Uh, it sounds yeah. like a TV series, though. The K O T. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, can we cast the King of Town as Taravangian? That's so good. I can see it. No, I don't know. All right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. There's maybe there's some kind of like multiverse kind of thing or like i don't know so like maybe there really is high society vin in some other parallel universe and some other only street rat vin i don't know uh but i don't know enough about dune to continue that comparison <laughs> all right chapter 32 is that what you were looking for mike uh close enough 
Or, oh, you know, maybe it has something to do with how truth is relative in the cognitive realm. So, like, maybe maybe it's like a cognitive realm thing, burning gold and, you know, Shalon representing people in a slightly different light. Hmm. All right. Chapter 32. Sure. The one who hates... Wait. How about what chapter thirty one? Chapter thirty one. Chapter thirty one. The stillness before smoke form. <laughs> which, by the way, I thought smoke form was a new form mentioned here. But when I started to type smoke form, my autocomplete friend started typing smoke form. So we probably did hear about smoke form before. Yeah. So this <laughs> one was weird because it was in an epigraph uh, on chapter twenty five as well. So. Well, there have been a couple of there, but I think it's they, a different song that we're doing. Yeah, they moved on from the song of listing a few chapters ago. So, uh, yeah, it's smoke form is back and better than ever. I would also All like right. to point out that uh, smoke form is also a uh, sword form for dueling. Uh, maybe that's why my autocomplete friend knew it. There but are maybe not. There are ten. Well, there's one for each essence, right? Yeah. So, like, is there each... a blood? So there's a blood form. Presumably, Ooh. I don't think we've seen it yet. <laughs> but like, there's there's stone stance. There's I guess it's smoke stance. It's smoke stance. Yeah. Yeah. So there's smoke forms. Ba- I guess is like the rogue job. Uh, Kaladin. But this is a Shalon chapter. Starspren. Pit. Drynet. Han Avenar. Han dead. Uh, so this is a Shalon chapter. It has Shalon's heading, her icon at the top. But we start off with Kaladin perspective. Uh, uh Hagen on the spotlight there. And we learn about that there are Starspren, which we've talked about in Discord a little bit. And I was like, why aren't Starspren just Flamespren? But Star's also not slightly like fire. They're like, I don't know. Uh, that just reminded me of a discussion we had in Discord. So I wrote it down. And Pitt. Um, I think Pitt is one of the people Kaladin's putting in charge of uh, training one of the other bridge crews. Forget. And he comes in to get some stew. And something else happens in the Kaladin section. Oh, man, you better believe it. <laughs> I don't think Dave knows. <laughs> Here, I'll, I'm going to quote the Coppermine summary. Um Shout out to Coppermine. Again, the best wiki for all of Brandon Sanderson's stuff. Memory Alpha. Rock chases off a man trying to draw sketches of the Bridgemen. Ding, ding, ding. Who is that man? Dave, who is that man? Hoyd? Nope. But uh, you're close. I'm close with Hoyd? Yes. It, it, Did you? <laughs> Who's close to Hoyd? It's it's another world hopper. Oh. We have um, mentioned him before. He draws the map. Demo? Uh, it's Naj. Oh man, I should have known that. Okay, remember that, remember a few chapters like, ago. Yeah, there he's were... a guy. He's a guy that, that like does um that works with Mrs. R's and yeah. uh, I forget her name, but Chris, Chris, Chris. Right, he's the guy that works with Chris, and she owes him a new jacket. I remember. Yeah, uh, if you remember, <laughs> several chapters ago there was like an art splash page of the uh, Bridgman tattoos. Yeah, this is him getting that. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's a, I missed that detail. That's really, I was like, at first I thought it was like, I was like, Shalon didn't get here yet. Oh, wait, it says this was an Ardent drawing these pictures. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. I guess Ardent's whatever. But yeah, oh man, that's cool. I'm glad you pointed that out. It's a nice little touch. I think we mentioned before, but Nas is from Threnody, which you you are now familiar with. 
Is that the um, witches and werewolves? The ghost world shades. Yeah. Ghost, yeah. <laughs> witches and werewolves world. Shadows dude. for silence in the forests of hell. And the, yeah, that one. Yep. The one. That's the in. the book where I cast uh, Pee Wee Herman. I remember. <laughs> and then he made me look up the werewolf vampire, not werewolf, and it was Pee Wee Herman, and it was a great death scene. It's the best death scene. <laughs> I guess that's where I got werewolf. I got my mind kind of jumped like four steps as I was trying to think of it. Because in the show there was a werewolf. I mean, I don't know. Played by Seth Green. Uh, I don't actually didn't actually know Seth Green was in that show. Okay, he plays a werewolf. Uh, Today you learned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's. So the pit. This is, this is the pit guy, and then we go over to Shalon, and she uses this cuss word, dry nets. And Tyne's like, you don't know what that means. Ha ha. I'm going to corrupt you, girl. Don't use sailor talk because I want to be the one to corrupt you. And then Hannah Vanar? Who's that? Hannah Vanar? Hannah... Whoever that is. That's, that's the, the king uh, of Yakaved that was killed. That's right. So that's the king of Yakaved. And yeah, apparently the assassin in white went on some murdering spree. I wonder who hired him. Ha ha ha. And then... Uh... <laughs> You know, so we we're we're kind of clueless on the exact status of Shalon's house, what kind of pressures they're going to be under, because there's going to be this there's this vacuum of power and a lot's going on in Yakovid right now, uh, because the king is dead, and that's the end of chapter thirty-one. It's a it's a lot of time just you know trying to teach Shalon how she's going to have to do things that are going to make her uncomfortable, and she's going to have to learn with them. And actually. Shalon's just kind of like, how do you know I haven't already had to do, you know, things that were uncomfortable and such. And we do know uh, a little bit about Shalon's past. Not all the details, but we know that she's maybe responsible for her mother's death. She also has a shard blade, wherever that came from and so forth. So, yeah, we're going to learn more about Shalon as the book progresses, I'm sure. But she, uh, it's not been all uh, blossoms and sunshine or what is it? Blossoms and cake is the term that she uses in this chapter. She's like, what makes you think my life's been all blossoms and cake? It's interesting that they have blossoms in this on this planet. Hmm. Trying to think how that would work, because presumably most of the plants wouldn't need to flower in order to propagate themselves. Like, my my picture of the planet has always been, at least non-Shinovar, of course, it's been very, like, sparse in vegetation. Like, we have grass that hides... They're, they're, they come from rock buds, right? So I don't imagine it, the ground is covered. I felt like it's mostly rocky. Well, with the the shattered plains are are extremely yes. like sparse in vegetation, which Shalon right. notes. But like other places aren't. But it's all weird. It's it's, it's, it's hard all to pick. weird. You know plants. what? I w- I would love to see some kind of series. I mean. The fans, uh, I think we all are in agreement that needs to be some kind of animated series. If they ever do Stormlight Archives, I think animated would do it justice the best. But no, Roger Rabbit. We've already <laughs> talked about this. <laughs> you want to you want to make it like Roger Rabbit, where we have live action mixed with uh, animation. Yeah, in- and... indeed, because Nightblood needs to be animated. Oh yeah, clearly Nightblood. Ev- every Disney character has a Warner Brothers counterpart that is on the screen for the exact same amount of time because that was contractually required 
But we weren't talking about Warbreaker. We're talking about Stormlight Archives, and I right, think that Fran are animated. Yeah, for for Warbreaker, I wanted uh, almost entirely live action, and then any sort of any sort of breath stuff to be like badly CGI'd, <laughs> <laughs> like like eighty CGI. Like nice. yeah, like really, really, really obvious and bad CGI. Straight out of Labyrinth. Oh, so good. And and no, I feel like that would, that would that would actually work really well. What? Yeah. What? I don't remember there being CGI. It's not CGI. It's practical effects, but still. It's puppetry. It's it's, it's Jim Henson exactly puppetry. Exactly not CGI. <laughs> no, well, they have like. Isn't there like fake fireworks or something on screen at one point? That's not There's CGI. Stuff. That's just a a second semi-transparent. Oh my god! I'm just saying visual effects. It will be CGI when they do it because that's how they do it now. But back in the day, it was just visual post um, editing effects. All right, let's pretend that Craig didn't talk. Dave, please continue. No, Chapter thirty-two: The One yes. Who Hates. Spren betrayed listeners, which is funny because the humans betrayed the Spren. Hmm. Just a never-ending triangle. Uh, Meanie Kaladin, why are you gonna betray Sylphrena? Kaladin dreams of being a storm, then wakes up and walks out into the storm. Sylphrena is bugging the heck out. Time to go. Sphere lanterns drained of stormlight. No, not Beld, my favorite character. Zeth disarms <laughs> Kaladin. Dalinar catches a shard blade like it's a chasm fiend's leg. Zeth and Kaladin are defenestrated. Uh, yeah, so High Storm's coming, uh, Bodyguard Kaladin on the job, dozing off, and he has a dream that he's a High Storm, and then he wakes up, and Adolin's like, fall asleep, bridge boy, and then Kaladin's like, uh, I'm gonna walk out onto the balcony in this High Storm, and so Frenna's out there, she's like, what's going on, he's coming, and Kaladin's like, something's up with Sofrena. <laughs> And it's like, guys, we got to get out of here. And then they're like, oh, what are you talking about? What's going on? And we're like, ah, it's Sylphrena is the spidey sense. <laughs> so it's like, uh, instinct. <laughs> so he walks in on uh, Navani and Dalinar, whatever they do during high storms. Nobody knows. And then, well, actually, no, I think Elokar is in there with him. And they're like, what's the meaning of this? And Kalan's like, got to go. So then they start leaving. And then good old assassin in white Zeth shows up uh, and actually kills uh, my favorite character. What was his name? Beld. Beld, yeah. Uh, Beld. What's his name? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Kaladin sends a couple guards ahead. So he's got like a forward guard trying to lead the way out. And Zeth encounters them and kills Beld. And uh, Elokar, you know, goes back, the king and, and Seth, and then Downer's like, if you want Elokar, you're going to have to get through me. And Seth is like, ah, I don't want Elokar. I came to kill you, Dalinar. And they're like, ah. So Dalinar, Adolin, and Seth, or sorry, and Kaladin are trying to take on Seth here. And like, <laughs> freaking <laughs> Dalinar... <laughs> Seth is bringing his shard blade down on Dalinar, and Dalinar catches it between his hands like it's a freaking Chasm Fiend's leg, right? And remember, uh, Dalinar doesn't have a shard blade or even shard plate anymore, so, you know, pretty tough guy, I gotta say. Uh, Kaladin is sliced in arm by Seth's shard blade, so that turns all gray and... Oops. 
can't use the arm anymore for the rest of your life, Kaladin. Oh no, you'll never hold a spear again. And then Dalinar distracts Seth, and Kaladin's like, Bleh! and then bashes into him, and then they both like fly out the window. And that's the end of chapter 32. <laughs> So, so this, <laughs> this was the the fight you predicted from the beginning yeah, of the book, I think. From the end of the last book, yes. Yep. Here was we it, are. We was it well, not quite. Uh, not quite. Because I was I was actually thinking that there would be like a more trained Kaladin in a one v one fight against Zeth, but this is a three v one where Zeth absolutely has the upper hand in this fight. Uh, and he's only kind of like he gets distracted. I forget exactly why he got distracted. Zeth doesn't work on your timetable, man. Zeth, OP. He's, he's attacking now. Nerf, please. Yeah, he, I mean he one v three him. He didn't even have his alt. <laughs> I, I actually understand that reference. <laughs> yeah, that's chapter thirty-two for you. Cool, exciting stuff. But at least the king got away. Well, yeah, but Seth wasn't after the king. Although so, Seth was after Seth's target did survive this chapter so yeah so since since we've since we ended that chapter on a cliffhanger that's the final chapter for the week right no we're actually going to follow right up with kaladin and seth in chapter 33 burdens oh no we didn't make dave hang on a chasm hanger for a week chapter 33 burdens i blame kaladin kaladin is still disarmed just sounds a Kaladin is rearmed. Zeth is not truthless. Seth runs and Kaladin falls asleep. Kaladin needs to do something. Uh, yeah. Um, Kaladin and Seth survive the fall out of the 50-story window. And Seth starts saying something, I assume, in his native Shin language. And it sounds like a bunch of sh sounds. And it sounds like Dalinar wants to be married to him. <laughs> It was just interesting because it's like this Shin language is a bunch of sh sounds, and that's all we get, you know, for Dalinar's wife's name is sh 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 sh, right? So I was like, I wonder, maybe Dalinar's wife is actually Shin, who knows? Um, his former wife, who I think's dead, I don't remember. All right, so Kaladin is able to use Neither Stormlight. Does Dalinar. <laughs> Kaladin is able to use Stormlight to heal his soul severed arm and bring life back to it in excru- excruciating pain. Uh, so my theory of having to go into the cognitive realm and reattach limbs might still be true, but Stormlight kind of ba- bypasses that nice necessity. Anyways, uh, so Seth is like, how you heal that arm? And Kaladin's like, same as you. I'm a windrunner. And Seth is like, I'm a windrunner? They called me a truthless. Hold on, I need to go think about this. And he goes and runs away. And Seth, uh... You need to go look at his character sheet. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had more skill points. <laughs> I thought I had more. Thought I had a higher attack bonus. So I think I should have hit hit Dalinar that time. Hold on, we got a retcon this whole combat. Um, <laughs> All right. So what happened here is Zeth is actually running a homebrew that didn't need to happen because there's already a class that does all the things he wanted to do. <laughs> His DM just just screwed up by not knowing the game well enough, and they homebrewed it, but they didn't need to. That is very accurate, actually. I, I like this analogy. So who called him Truthless? Oh, that's, the, that's the name of the homebrew. His DM. Uh, <laughs> like, we're going to call it Truthless? It's like, I am Truthless. Guys, what if, what if I made a class 
that just got a bonus feat every other level. But Can see, I make but, a homebrew? <laughs> it's called a fighter. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. And it's like they, they stapled it with this O stone. So it's like you have to do what other people say. Like they the DM thought you needed penalties to to do this right yeah so maybe he doesn't need to follow his oath which which i i was actually thinking i was like this whole thing like maybe seth doesn't actually have to obey the oath stone if he's not it like i assume that the oath stone is some sort of punishment for being truthless right so uh, we'll see but then uh he runs off kaladin exhausted from the fight collapses and then sylphrena wakes him up kaladin needs to do something uh whatever i don't remember 38 days. Oh, and Adeline, uh, Adeline also notices that Kaladin's able to move his arm. He's like, I could have sworn Kaladin got chopped in the arm with that soul blade. Hmm. And he starts to get a little suspicious, but then kind of catches himself. He's like, no, you can't be paranoid like, like your uncle or cousin, cousin, um, <laughs> cousin King. And then we get another note, 38 days, the end of all nations. And then Kaladin goes off to uh, to see to Beld's corpse, and he finds uh, another body that he thinks is dead. He turns it over, and it's Haber. And Haber is hobbled, severed from the thighs down with the shard blade, which I guess isn't technically hobbled because he wouldn't be able to walk at all. So unless he maybe could walk on his knees, it's pretty hobbly if you ask me. And that's the end of chapter thirty-three. All right, I think you have three minutes for the last chapter. Chapter 3 minutes, 34, Blossoms and Cake. Shallan's High Prince might be dead. Can Shallan obtain clemency for Vata and his men? Silly talking pen, Yasna's not dead. Yasna had a ward named Shallan Davar. Oh, hey, there's Yasna's voice now. Told ya, winky face emoji. Tyne, GG. Do you like? (laughs) (laughs) Don't get it. It is a good joke. (laughs) Would you like to meet the ghost bloods? Y E S. End of part two. Uh, So I'm not missed the big thing that happens here. No, that was dying. (laughs) GC. All right, you have two minutes left. Run us through this chapter and then go away. All right, so Blossoms and Cake, Shalon is meeting with Tyne and because Tyne is getting a message from her contacts via span read and going, oh, we don't know if Shalon's high prince is still alive. We don't know. And Shalon's going through all that, like, what's going to happen to my family? Is this going to be good for them, bad for them? Is there going to be too much vying for power for people to worry about their debts and so forth? And then the span read comes through with another message speaking of, you know, affirming that Yasna is dead. And then also saying, I looked in the house Devar like you asked for. They had a daughter that was Yasna's ward and her name was Sholan. So then Tynes is like, oh, crap. I like you, kid, but now I have to kill you. So they start fighting. And uh, as a distraction, she's like, is Yasna dead or is Yasna not dead? And then Pattern impersonates Yasna's voice, and then he runs off to get help from uh, from the deserters. And uh, Yasna pulls out her shard blade and kills Tyne in the fight. And then, you know, uh, deserters and such, was it Vata and everybody show up? They're like, oh, we heard 
a voice say to come help and it was was it was it the voice of the almighty and we came to help and they wouldn't let us in and we heard you screaming so we fought our way through and oh you have a shard blade and you've already killed tyne <laughs> what are your orders now <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully shallan can keep her word in regards to uh Vatan getting clemency for them wonder if it might end up with her having to give up her shard blade i don't know uh, and then the span read comes through. Dalinar. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, the span read is continuing to. She has to get. She has to put new paper into the fax machine, and it starts printing out. Would you like to meet the Ghostbloods? And Shalon switches the span read over and says, "Yes, I would like to meet the Ghostbloods." And there we have it. That's the end of part two. And uh, since it was on the opposite page of the last page of part two, I got to see who the viewpoint characters are going to be for the interludes coming up. So we get Eshunai again. And Zahel, whose name I think I should remember, is that Shalon's brother? No, no. he's the swordmaster that was The swordmaster, okay. And uh, Talon, also known as Talonel Stonethinu, or whatever his name is. Talonel Stonethinu. That, that dude with the scar that ain't Harry Potter. The, yes, exactly. Well, yes, there's a constellation named after his scar or something. <laughs> Shaped like a lightning bolt. Colin Scar? Yeah. So, all right. You you said you had things to do at 1 o'clock. It is after 1 o'clock. Go away. All right. This this concludes it, guys. I'll see you next Bye, week Dave. with some interludes. Bye Dave. Bye. Bye, Dave. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time... We recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right, uh, what do we got for Words of Radiance? Hey, Mike, what do I got? Words of Radiance. Uh, well, you probably oh. have something comparing Burning Gold to uh, Shallan using her light weaving to to draw fan art that has something to do with the cognitive realm yes yep. craig enlighten us well i talked about this before many times you guys gotta take notes you're gonna be tested on this in the future um identity it's all identity um i i don't know if dave is gonna really pick up on this stuff because we don't we don't really understand what identity is until i really feel like we don't get a good talk about connection identity until like I want to say there's something in Era 2 Mistborn that Bands goes into morning. a little bit. Yeah. Ba- Bands of Morning deals a lot with connection, not so much identity. It mentions that you have to you have to um, remove right. your identity in order to tap the... Yeah. It's, so, it's weird. We'll talk about it when we get to that book. But I, I think I've mentioned it before, but the the Mistborn series thus far has been like the the 100 level classes in various concepts of of uh, of the Cosmere of, of Investiture. Yeah, and then Stormlight is like the two and three hundred level of same. I'm looking forward to the book that deals with fortune because I need to know more about how that works. All we know is Hoyd uses it to be in the right place at the right time. I'm gonna call. Um, I'm gonna call some of Era Three for that. But uh, so identity is is the way Gold and Malatian works. Um, gold specifically, you look into your identity and you can actually see. I mean, it's it's not just identity because it, it's about. I think Dave mentioned it, the choices that you've made in the past and how you can have a different identity. Uh, um, it's, it's it's whatever, I guess, your identity considers your biggest choice to have been because you only get to see the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and like it's very similar things. to 
in Emperor Soul, it's the same thing where you can look into an object's history and you can sort of identify one of those major decisions to make it be something else. There we go. So, Emperor Soul is is the big one for identity. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Shalon, of course, that's what she does. She looks her ability is able to look into the cognitive and spiritual realm to get the actual identity of an object. And I know Dave is talking about having absolute truth versus relative truth. And identity sort of is the is peeking into the spiritual realm, or at least what Shalon does, peeking into the spiritual realm to get the absolute truth and tweaking it in the cognitive realm to be the idealized version of that truth. Or like uh, a few steps closer it. to it, at least. Was that? A few steps closer to it, at least. Sure. Um, so Shalon looks into the identity of people, uh, or herself, in this case. Um, so that's like gold and like Mal- Malatium. It's identity, guys. It's what Shalon does. It's her thing. Yep. Uh, what else? What else happened? Uh, Adolin had a duel through Sadius's POV, which was weird. Yeah, it's good to have our villain perspectives, which is neat. Although, if it... can consider, yeah. So I, I didn't read chapters this week. I've been bad. Um, but yeah, this is this is the one where Adolin undersells his skill. Like yeah. the last one, he just beat the crap out of a dude. Which is technically legal, uh, and then this one he pretended to be way worse than he was, which Sadius recognizes because he's because in ingratiating himself to Dalinar, he has seen Adolin duel before, so he knows what his skill level is. He can see that he's playing under his skill level, and he realizes that the amount of skill it takes to to pretend to be this bad is actually way, way, way higher than what he realized Adolin was capable of before. He's impressed. So yeah, getting getting an external realization uh, of that I think works better than if this had been an Adolin, um It's it's the show don't tell principle, and we're being shown how good Adolin is rather than Adolin thinking, okay, I'm going to undersell myself to make it appear like an underdog. We can be told that, but it actually works a lot better being shown it. Yeah, uh, and then the Zeth has a crisis. Oh, I'm just going through the Shalon stuff. Oh, you're going in order, okay. And, eh, none of it really matters until she actually gets to the war camps. Like, yay for Tyne, whatever. She makes contact with the Ghostbloods, whatever. She kills Tyne with a shard blade, whatever. Well, yeah, that's that's important. Is this, this is, I actually want to talk about this. Um, Is this the first time we see Shalon's shard blade? Yes. Uh, yes? We we got references to it in uh, Back in Way of Kings. With the with the whole heartbeats thing, and like she'd hold her hand out at at moments. Right, of crisis. We, we got a clue that she had a shard blade. Yeah, but this is the is first this time the we first actually see on screen appearance. Yes, because uh, maybe because Dave was pressed for time, but I really wanted to get his reaction to it. Well, you'll have to wait until next week. And yeah, I have to ask him next week. Um, but, but he also knew that Shallan had a shard blade since back in Way of Kings because he was paying attention. Yep. So, yep. so none of this is a surprise for him. Yeah, Shalon's chapters are more, let's learn a little bit more about conning and, of course, killing Tin and asserting dominance over her party. She's now in control of the of the deserters and and the group. She yeah. got shard blade. They gotta listen to her now. Now now that they know she has a shard blade, nobody, is, nobody in that group is uh, even remotely considering going against her orders now. Yeah. Like, well, 
hope she isn't an assassin sent to kill the king, because that will kill us. But uh, not listening to her will also kill us, so I guess I guess we listen to her. <laughs> well, she claims Tin Tyne was the assassin anyway, so yeah, we can trust her, right? Um, but we get some cool fighting scenes with Cal and Engel. Yeah, let's let's dip into the uh, Kaladin v Seth three v one. So this is this is setting up where Kaladin is is weaker than Seth because you know Seth sort of knows his abilities, although he drains more Stormlight than than normal because he's using an Honor Blade. Um, and and so basically it's okay. I don't know if you've seen the sequelitis by Ego Raptor, but it's it's the same thing where in Mega Man X, the first game of the Mega Man X series, Zero is so much better than X. Like, Zero is what X can become. It's like, sort of like, here's where I am. X, you can beat. And this is this is the same thing we're getting here. Zeth is what Kaladin could become once he starts understanding his abilities. Not, not like, up as a person, but rather his ability, his skill set. Like, this is what he'll be able to achieve, maybe even be better than Zeth is, once he understands, says some words... This is the end point. We had to have them clash so we can see how much outclass Kaladin currently is. So that way, when we reach the end of the book, we're like, oh, so cool. And uh, would you like to walk us through Dalinar catching the blade, or do you want to save that until... Um, the, the clap? And, until, uh, what is his name? Adolin? Or... Not Vasher here. It's Zyle. Zyle. Yeah. yeah. And until he explains it, because I think does that happen during the? I think that might he happen during the interview. And how basically a stupid move because it can go wrong so easily. But the fact that he pulled it off is very impressive. Well, it's not that it can go wrong. It's that by the time you have a chance to use it, things have already gone extremely wrong. Yep. Yep. So there, there's no point in not trying it, really. I mean, Dalinar was about to die. Yeah. He pulled it off. Is there something you wanted to talk about specifically about this move? Not really. Just, it's cool. It is cool. It's a cool thing. It's it's sort of like, look at how badass Dalinar is. Yeah, there's, there is a good amount of stuff in these books that is just there because it's cool. True. Um, yeah, and Kaladin, after, after getting his arm shard-bladed and then unshard-bladed, cuts off his sleeve. Oh, I do want to talk about that. To, to hide that. Um... Because Dave mentioned, is there a way to, to repair things in the Cognitive Realm? Because that's where they're severed. So what's actually happening here is identity. Well, sort of. It's, um, the, the arm is severed, but it's a fresh new wound. And of course, Kaladin doesn't view himself as being armless or anything. Just that he has suffered a, a wound in combat. So he can easily heal with Stormlight because it's just repairing. It's just repairing his identity. It's what he should be. So it can just easily reconnect itself, um, reform in the, in the cognitive realm, if you will. Oh, I would like to note that later on in Oathbringer, uh, once Haber, uh, I believe, starts squiring, yes. uh, he is also able to heal his legs. And, this yep. is, and that is some months later, I believe. Yep. So it's, it's really a question of, do you view this as yourself? Like, is this, is this, an, is this part of your identity being this way? And most of the people we've seen, it's not part of the identity because they've just recently suffered the wounds. Um, it's it's sort of why uh, healing works the way it does, because it, it it's based on identity. If you view yourself as 
armless, then that's just what you're going to be like. But if you're like the Lopin and always view yourself as having two arms, you get two arms. It's it's the the return. It's what the return do in Warbreaker. It's all about identity, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's all I had for these chapters. Tori, did you have anything? No, I didn't you, have you've anything. You've been extra special quiet this week. Kind of got a sore throat going on right now. Uh, oh, sorry to hear that. Feel better, Tori. You've been so. saving it for when we talk about Room Four. Uh, yeah, you do have some of. I think we're gonna get. I think we're gonna do that. So, uh, Tori, would you like to walk us through part four? including the last round of interludes. Indeed I will. And that last round of interludes is really short. So, But before that, chapters. Part 4. In flashbacks, we see Ulim the Voidsprin playing Vinley like a fiddle, corrupting her for odium, ultimately orchestrating Gavilar's assassination, uh, introducing her people to Voidsprin. The last flashback has her coming to regret her actions, knowing they will leave her people utterly destroyed. So uh, there was also some Eshenai in there, but I didn't really talk about that. So th- this is sort of like a, a big thing because we uh, we always got little snippets of Gavilar and what was sort of happening at the feast, and I always assumed it was just he wanted to bring back the gods. But this this is sort of the catalyst of why he was bringing back the gods. Something somehow he was told Gavilar was told that bringing back the singers' gods would also bring back the knights' radiance, which is which is sort of his goal. Gavilar's goal. So this is sort of where that information came from. It came from uh, what's that? Her name? The weird name? Asherwin or whatever? Asharwan? I, I forget her name. Uh, you mean the uh, the probably terrorist person who now that I'm thinking about it is probably a ghost blood and was probably set to engineer all of this? Ghost blood though? Really? Because I thought the ghost bloods hate Sons of Honor. It seems weird that they would be the ones who helped them at this instance. Okay, but the well, Ghost Bloods... The, the Ghost Bloods helped if, if Axendweth was a Ghost Blood, they were helping the uh, listeners, singers, the the Parsh people. Yes, singers. Okay, so the Ghost Bloods want to take Stormlight off of Roshar, right? Like, that's, yeah. that's their goal in the Rosharan system. Okay. They can't do that as long as the Oath Pact is in play. Yeah. So in order for them to reach their goal, the Oath Pact has to go away. It's already been weakened, so... But they don't want the planet destroyed. Like, from what we've seen, the Ghostbloods aren't necessarily anti-Roshar. No. They they want Roshar to stick stick around because they want Stormlight, because it is... I don't think they want Odium to win, is what I'm saying. But they need Odium to win just enough to get rid of the Oath Pact. Or lose just enough that they don't need the Oath Pack anymore. In, in, in either case, they need to force a confrontation. Okay. Yes. So you, you think she's an agent of the Ghost Bloods to set that up. Either way, that's the whole point. Gavilar got this information ultimately that's, through Ulam and that lady. That, that is my guess, yes. Um, okay. Because of information we get later regarding the likely identity of Thydekar. But I think that's a part five thing, so we'll we'll hold off on that. Tori, please continue. Okay. Well, that was the flashback stuff. In the present, Kaladin is pretty hurt from the events of part three, and healing isn't working properly with the tower being corrupted. He die hard too hearted. Right. Wit visits him in a vision and tells him the best bedtime story about a dog and a dragon. <laughs> that's right. 
Guys, I like is, that story. This is the best wit chapter we have had to date. I love it. Because he gives it a crappy ending, and then he's like, there, there is a real ending, and it's just what he needed to hear. And he continues to be extremely mad that the language on Roshar is weird, and the, the animals on Roshar are weirder. The animals are weird. <laughs> like, he's it's so like mad hell. about that. Oh my gosh. It's a dog. Why don't you know what a dog is? He's so mad about it. Yo, but we also got a clue that there is a dragon somewhere on Roshar. A legit dragon is somewhere. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, but yeah. That's also know? where we get to meet uh, Design. Oh, Design's so good! There's there's a oh dog. It's like an axe hound, except not slimy and gross. Design is best character Man, Dave, when Dave gets here, he's going to love design. Calling out new favorite design. Sorry, Cell. But yeah, bedtime story. Um, Kaladin actually spends most of part four unconscious. Um, Dabid goes to Hasina and Liren to find help for Kaladin. Relaine and Vinley are with them, and Vinley remembers Lyft, the edge dancer currently in enemy hands, is still awake. Vinley uses her budding radiant abilities powered by void light to bust Lyft out. Lyft's own abilities are powered by life light, is able to heal both Kaladin and, surprisingly, Taff. They realize if they can get her to the other radiants, she could heal them as well. Concurrently, in Shadesmar, Adolin studies for the bar exam, as he has a trial coming up and a fool for a client. Shalon sulks, thinking Pattern is the spy who's betrayed her by reporting to Marais. When her target, Ristares, turns up, he's not only the Honor Sprint's high judge, but also Kalek, the Herald. As the first days of the trial go poorly, Shalon resolves to kill Kalek, but Pattern, Vale, and Radiant work together to talk her out of it by forcing her to face the truth. Pattern was not her first Spren. Shalon had sworn the oaths before and broke them after she killed her mother with her shard blade. With this new knowledge, Shalon has the change of heart. Instead of killing the Herald, she entreats him to judge Adolin fairly. However, the Honor Spring leaders are determined not to do so. Uh, they remove Kalek from the trial. They use Maya, Adolin's Shardblade Spring, as a witness against him. But in a surprising turn, Maya, the Silent Deadeye, actually speaks out in Adolin's defense. Not just in Adolin's defense. This is kind of a big deal regarding the Recreants. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so Maya basically shouts, we chose, like, we, the Dead Eyes friend, chose to, to die when these oaths were broken. They didn't know they would become Dead Eyes. They didn't know what would happen, but they did that anyway, working together with their radiance. They believed it would be for the greater good. Um, the, yeah. the trial, to me, I, and I said this before, this is the uh, honor is dead, but I'll see what I can do scene for this book. Yeah, it's it is pretty much or the you cannot have my pain. It's you cannot have my sacrifice. It's almost the exact same words that Dalinar used in Oathbringer. Um, it occurs to me that none of like the events of the Recreants shouldn't be something that the Spren don't know about because High Spren. Like I get the Honor Spren yeah. lost basically their whole population at the time, but High Spren didn't. High Spren didn't lose anybody. And yet, but you see how Skybreakers are. They don't necessarily communicate with anybody, and they were lying low for ages until the new Knights Radiance started popping up, and then now we have Skybreakers very visible now. Except apparently in the right part of the world, everybody knows about them. Yeah, because and... they're, they're typically in the Western 
just edge of nobody thought in the cognitive realm to be like, hey, hi, Spren, uh, what happened? Because you guys didn't die and everybody else did, so what's up? I feel like there's a, a very big lack of communication between the Spren, and they're already in the cognitive realm. They're sort of unwilling to change. They're sort of against that notion, so I feel like they're just very set in their ways and they don't like to find out. They and don't, like, don't want to know. In the 2000-ish years since the Recreants, nobody nobody thought, you know what, let's let's ask them. Let's let's actually dig into this a little bit. They, they assumed they were the dead eyes weren't commu- they couldn't communicate that they were just like the dead eyes still talking about high spren. No, no, I'm I'm okay. What I'm saying is they had a certain notion of dead eyes. Like you saw how the uh, honor spren would take care of them, but they just they just blamed humans, so they didn't think they needed to ask the high spren or anybody, "Hey, what's going on? Why did the other Radiant Orders just seem to abandon their oaths. They just sort of like, humans did this, we want nothing to do with them anymore. Like, just done. They came to a conclusion, they didn't want to know why or how. Oh, and did you did you catch parallels between the uh, the Honor's Friends' treatment of uh, of Deadeyes and the Ardent's treatment of yeah. of the mentally ill? That, that is a, a good uh, illusion there. Like, oh, we just, uh, we put them in a room. Ooh, so Kaladin, uh, action therapist, is going to be the one to heal the dead eyes. Kaladin Stormblessed, action therapist. <laughs> um, oh, I think Adolin's the yeah, one who's doing that. I think Adolin is leading the charge there. Um, but if if they start working together, and I see no reason why they wouldn't, because they are, at this point in the story, they are friends who talk to each other. Which, how rare is that in these books? So, Fel Knight points out the High Sprint and Skybreakers in our Discord, by the way, guys. You can reach our Discord through our Patreon. You don't have to be a Patreon, but you get to click the link through there and join us, and we talk about stuff. It's on. Patreon.com slash CosmereCast. So, Fel Knight says the High Sprint and Skybreakers had a pretty clear disagreement about how to deal with the knowledge of what they had done. So... This is in reference to, um, shoot, ba- Boedo Mishram. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I think I've mentioned this before, that event, the thing that has happened there, which we still don't fully know, eventually led to the Recreants, is, is my belief. But it looks like the Skybreakers, probably because they're so law-focused and, do, and whatever the absolute law is, had a different approach to what the other Radiant Order should do about this. So it looks like the Radiant Orders, with their sprint, have decided to do this sacrifice. And the Skybreakers disagreed. Uh, I imagine with their high, sp- the high sprint, uh, disagreed with that approach. And Felnay continues, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Skybreakers basically were the watchers on the rim to prevent Radiance from returning. And we sort of do see that. That's Nell's, Nell's approach was kill the knight's radiance as they start manifesting so that way we don't get them back. So that seems to be what the Skybreaker's approach to this situation is. We just don't know why. We we still don't fully know why they made this sacrifice. Like, there's still some information we're missing, but now we know, and I think I mentioned this before, where there's no way a radiant would just drop his bond and willingly kill his sprint, because we see how Kaladin treats Syl, we, we see other Radiants 
treat their friend like they have a connection there. You don't just willingly sever the connection. It's and and do that to essentially their friend. Um, and they had to come into it willingly. And when we saw the flashback of the recreants, we saw that it. It, they acted weird, so my speculation was maybe they lost connection on an identity with their sprint, um, which caused them to not be Knights Radiant and to just drop their sword. But it looks like now they have come into it willingly. They have decided together that this is what they should do. We just don't know why. Uh, all right. Anything else happen in part four, Tori? Or, or did you finish? Yeah, there's a whole section on Navani that we haven't covered yet. Oh, yeah. Wait, she's still in this book? Yeah. This is This is like half her book. So back in the tower, Navani works with Raboniel to form a band, but she's already planning to break it up, creating Fabrial weapons in secret and hiding them in plain sight to look like rubbish in the hall. The two experiment with the pure tones of Roshar to combine Stormlight and Voidlight. Inspired, Navani eventually finds the opposite of Voidlight, using the tones as a guide. Though she tries to keep it hidden from Raboniel, she isn't successful. Raboniel uses an anti-Voidlight dagger to kill her own daughter, who was completely crazy from centuries of death and rebirth. Raboniel theorizes that this anti-void light can end that cycle. She sets out to create anti-stormlight. No! Um, and that is the end of part four. Yeah, she claims she wanted to end this war one way or the other, but let's be honest, she wants to win it for her people, which means no more Night's Radiance. Anti-stormlight. Well, she wants the war to end. If the war can end in her favor all the better. Yep. Yeah, she kind of led Navani to believe that if she had access to anti-void light, then they could use it to kill Odium, and then the war would be over. Like, Raboniel didn't care who won as long as the war was over. But then as soon as the anti-void light is discovered, Raboniel's like, no, I, I actually wanted to create the other thing, and now I know how to do it. Yep. I have to say, I think I think my favorite character in this book is Navani, um, in, in this particular book. There's just so many fun things. Like, she's making these these weapons and stuff and just hiding them in plain sight. Like, it's just, it's a different approach. Like, we get warriors and stuff in the book. Like, we have Dalinar, we have Kaladin. They're, they're fighters. Here we have an engineer uh, making the equipment that, you know, will blow up and do whatever it is that she needs to do. Like, that. I don't know. I just, I like this. This is a good approach. This is different. Yeah, I like how we follow Navani's scholarly process and see her experiments leading up to the discovery. Um, that's the kind of thing that other authors wouldn't be able to pull off skillfully. Just And yeah. she studied, and eventually she found the answer. So we discovered the Rhythm of War, which is the melding of Void Light and Storm Light. And of course, we already knew about Life Light, or what, sorry, Tower Light. Tower which Light, is which is the combination of Storm Light and, and Life Light. Uh, we don't know the name of whatever Life Light and Void Light is, but I imagine there is something there. Death um, and of course, so so this is I I know very little of this because unfortunately I'm I'm not into physics that much, but it, it's just sort of a sound and how waves work that the anti light, anti void light, anti storm light. It's it's an interference pattern. It's a, it's a type of sound or melody that can um that destroys the wave pattern so that way it's it sort of blocks the sound so to speak uh it it destroys the wave um that's what this anti melody is so um it's just it's just sort of a property of how waves work and then that's what we have that's that's what they're coming up with 
so I am confused by Lifelight. Why? Okay, so Stormlight, you get it from a high storm. Yeah. Regular thing happens every week or so. And keep in mind, High Storm is the Stormfather, who is a big chunk of honors and power investiture. Like that's what the Stormfather is. Void Light, you get it. You get it from the Everstorm. Passes every nine days or so, which is Odium, right? And his investiture. Life Light, you get it by being Lift. Well, so Lift is weird. She was granted from cultivation a way to create her own Life Light. You meet food, you metabolize life light. Like, it's just, she has a way to generate her own life light. It looks I, like it's... I have more. Okay. Um, okay, so Dalinar can open a perpendicularity which connects the physical, cognitive, and spiritual realms. Correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of this should come from the spiritual realm. Correct? Yes. That's where investiture comes Be- from. Because that is that is the ultimate source of investiture. Yeah. When Dalinar opens a perpendicularity, thus far, all it has done was fill Stormlight. Yep. However, he's only done this near things that are already keyed to take in Stormlight. Okay. That is Radiance and Gems that have previously held Stormlight. To the best of my knowledge, he has never opened a, per- a perpendicularity... Um, within close range of things that are keyed to void light, although I think he that, has when they fight. I mean, he well, so, so he so, opens it where he is, which is typically where the night radiance are. He doesn't. Right. He's not near fused, so I, I guess we don't know. Well, but we saw from Navani's experiments that you can have stormlight and void light in close close proximity to each other, and it doesn't do anything unless you literally try to mix them. Okay, like but they can exist in the same place. Dalinar opening a perpendicularity isn't just a source of stormlight, or at least it shouldn't be. It's a source of spiritual realm energy that then translates into whatever whatever form it is keyed to. Okay. Should be. So why doesn't Dalinar opening a perpendicularity next to the big tower fabriel? I I'm gonna simplify it. Allow have, allow life light major... because it's already keyed for that. At I have a partially. major theory about how these different realms work. I don't want to get into it right now because I'm not ready and I want a physicist on our show to talk about it. But Pretend we're never going to get that. No, we're getting Well, we might not get the physicist. I do eventually want to have this talk later on. Maybe maybe when Dave is... I mean, I, I, still, want, I still want Matt to join us at least, at least once to try to sort through whatever is going on in Craig's head. If we have any physicist listeners who uh, know about just just about um, dimensional theory, different dimensions, uh, that would be the talk that I want to have. Because my my thought is that cognitive realm and spiritual realm are just a higher dimension. It's a different dimension. It's the cognitive realm is a three third dimensional plane. And I'm using the word plane wrong. I know because I don't know the word which intersects with the physical realm in certain locations, which is where we have the perpendicularities. So imagine if you just had two different, you know, 3D objects, let's say cubes, which are tilted in a slightly different way through a fourth dimension, and they intersect. Their intersection point would be the perpendicularity. There, you got a one-minute summary of my theory. Okay. We'll go into it later on. Now, Fractal Doggo has said some stuff in chat that I'd like to respond to. 
Oh, it... which is uh, Dalinar is only connected to honor, uh, and Dalinar is key to honor. Correct. The spiritual realm is not. Okay. The... Let me let me get into this. The spiritual realm. So this is what I want you to picture. The spiritual realm is not just some mass of all the investiture. There are pockets of of sh- like inv- pockets of investiture. They pull in certain locations in this nebulous spiritual realm. When Dalinar opens his perpendicularity, he's opening a pocket, which is where the stormlight is. He doesn't. It's it's just the way it is pulled, particularly because of how shards work. It's it's specifically shards. That's why the Aeon door is so weird because they don't really have a sentient shard directing it anymore. So it just pulls and and it's been shoved into the cognitive realm at that. So it's just sort of pulled together and it's just a mess. But here the the pulling is is based on the shards. So cultivation sort of has a certain area where her, her investiture is pulled and odium has a place where his is pulled. So Dalinar's just opening uh, an area where this this uh, stormlight is pulled. That's all. I love this. the noises your mechanical keyboard makes there, Craig. Sorry, I'm trying to be quiet. It's hard. Well then, shall I talk about these interludes? Sure. Well, does that ex- explain, Mike, or does that not make sense? Let's talk about the interludes. Okay. Okay. So there are three, and like I said before, they're really short. They're each only a couple of pages. First, we get Hesina and Liren, and they're cute. Um, I just love the two of them together. They're the way they play off of each other. Uh, they are a longtime married couple, and uh, Hasina is basically talking to Liren about Kaladin and how Liren is being so hard-headed about uh, Kaladin's life choices, and Hasina loves both of them and is just frustrated with her husband. Fractal Doggo says, Hasina has finally had enough of Liren's crap. <laughs> yes, that's what's happening. Uh, second interlude in this set, um, Aiden, who is a, a kid who lives in the tower and wants to be a windrunner someday, um, he, he's a little kid and he's boring. So um, that was probably the shortest interlude. It, it, it's just a, you know, man on the street kind of chapter showing you what it's like for someone who's living in the tower during all of this upheaval. Uh, but the last interlude, very important. We've got Dumb Teravangian again, and he's in his cell and he's feeling hopeless. And Ja Anat shows up and... Um, is like, hey, um, you're, you're still working against Odium, right? Uh, what do you need? And Teravangian's like, I, I need to meet with Odium. And Jeanot is like, I, I think I can arrange that. And and that was about it for that, too. Very short. Ah, uh, I know. See, Teravangian up to something. Did you mention Aiden's interlude? Yeah. I felt I mean, like you skipped from Liren over to Teravangian. No, or, sorry. Aiden, Aiden, Aiden was the kid who was boring. Yeah, okay. I he was so boring. You heard me talk about him, and it totally <laughs> didn't register. That's true. Uh. No, I mean it's cute because we have kind of followed him from earlier in the book uh, when Kaladin was working in the the surgery, and he was um, helping a kid who had sprained his ankle. That was this kid. Um, kid was like, "Yeah, I jumped down the stairs because I'm practicing for when I'm a windrunner." And Kaladin's like, "Maybe don't do that until you are a windrunner." Um, my my only complaint about him is when I read the the chapter, I feel like he's like eight years old, but then we're told he's like a, t- which is like he acts a lot younger than he is. That's my only complaint about him. I don't know if you guys felt that way or just didn't care. Kids are hard to write. They are. He's uh he has actual superheroes 
in front of him, and he wants to be one. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm, I'm kind of picturing it like the, uh, in, uh, in Spider-Verse, the, the scene for Spider-Man's funeral where the whole crowd is wearing Spider-Man masks. You guys, you guys have seen Spider-Verse? I have seen it, but I, I don't, I don't remember it. I don't know that. I don't We're know. We're in Boiler Town, so it's okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like 15 minutes into the movie. It's pretty early on. I just but don't remember. Like I didn't the, watch it. The thing where you you should it's amazing, uh, but well, there was a preview um, as a special short during. Gosh, I think it was on a Deadpool DVD, Deadpool two, like, and so I I watched it, and it's a clip of the movie, like five or ten minutes of hey, here's a sample of the movie, and I watched that clip, and I was like, meh, don't care. So what were you saying, Mike? There, there's a character in that scene. No, just the thing where like everybody's wearing. Kaladin, like painting Kaladin's brands on their forehead. Oh, yeah, with all of them doing that. Yeah. Solidarity. You know, I feel like Lyft is decently written as a young character. Like, she comes off as the age that she is, I think. She's a, I don't want to grow up, I'm just a Toys R Us kid character. Oh. No, because in her her interlude, she talks about why she doesn't want to grow up, and it's because she misses her her mom, and the last time everything was normal was when she had her mom with her, and she was her mom's little girl. And so when she went to uh, the Night Watcher and wanted her her boon, it was that she didn't want to change, because she always wanted to be her mom's little girl, and I thought that was so cute and sad. It is very touching. Lyft Lyft needs a needs a mom, a new mom. You don't want to replace the old mom. Or she needs to grow up and realize that she doesn't need a mom anymore. That's true. You just gotta have dead parents sometimes. (laughs) No, boy, that is true. Not just not have Cosmere stuff, but like (laughs) that is an overplayed trope. Actually, yeah, Brandon made fun of that in uh, the Alcatraz books, and then and then he used it straight for for stormlight brandon what are you doing <laughs> are you gonna give someone a dog now to kill that and give them a tragic backstory no we have yes. cheery cheery stop no lots they already killed Balot's dogs remember oh yeah no we yeah you're right we checked that box brandon brandon what are you doing oh the brother yeah all right um oh yeah so one thing with lift healing the healing teft is that she has to keep healing teft Yep. Like, he only stays awake for, like, 12 hours or so before dropping back into tower coma. So, the reason Kaladin is awake is because he's so close to the fourth ideal. Is that what what the, the book tells us? Yes. Okay. Um, and then, like, everybody who has some idea of what's going on sort of expects this. So, like, Yasna, because she is at least fourth ideal, we, we actually don't know if she's fifth ideal yet or not, um... I think she's specifically told that she's fourth ideal. Maybe. Um, Yeah, she could go back to the tower and be fully functional. Maybe not with all of her um, radiant powers intact. We don't know. Um, But yeah, she could. Well, we we know Kaladin can use his adhesion surge because the the fuse don't really think that's a real surge, but it's it's honor surge. It's specifically tied to him. Yeah, it's like all of the 10. other ones, all of the other ones are honor and cultivation together. Yeah. And those are the ones that aren't working, but adhesion is purely honor. So I'm pretty sure Yasna would be awake and functioning, but none of her powers would be. So I feel like there's a, a big reference 
throughout this book about that, that there's something that happened. There is whatever the honor and cultivation mixes, something has happened to ruin that. Like the tower, the sibling, sorry, the sibling talks about how that was lost when Bo ba Bo Edo Mishrem. Thank you. Be Edo Mishrem. Bo Bo. Edo. Edo Mishram. Thought it was Bo. I may be wrong. Let's look it up. Yeah, that's what I'm like, is it Ba or Bo? I thought it was Ba. It's Ba. It is Ba. I was wrong. Ba Edo Mishram. So Be Edo Mishram. Something happened when they were trapped in in the perfect gem that exists. Uh that can hold them. Or at least that's what we think that has happened. Maybe that's not I don't know. They were removed. It did something to the planet. Like the whole planet had a reaction, which is pretty major. And here we are again. There's there's references that you just mentioned about the the honor and cultivation. What, what is it you said? Shoot, that they were mixed together. No, you you just said that something was. I don't I don't. I forgot. I lost my train of thought. Sorry, guys. I was too busy worried about the name. Yeah, I I don't know where you were going, but I salute you for trying to get there. The the point is something big happened when this unmade was trapped. It seemed to have a, an effect on the sibling. Um, because apparently it made it harder for it to form tower light. Um, we know that the knights, that the recreants happened shortly thereafter for some weird reason. This is an important unmade, and we are also shown sort of how unmade are made in this book. Uh, they were just they're they're changed sprint. They're not corrupted like Zahanat does. Like it's a different to make an unmade is a different process. Right. It's sort of filling Rebonial. it with void light. Rabonial specifically says that she wasn't killing the sibling, she was unmaking it. Yeah. So we know that whatever Spren Bay Edo Mishram was, was probably a very important Spren that had been unmade. And given the fact that they had this connection and identity with all of the singers, I, that's, that's a big deal. I feel like the theme that we're going to get is sort of making the unmade. Like, how, how do we repair them? Because that might be important. And it might be sort of what we see here with the sibling getting rid of the void light and replacing it with stormlight or life light or whatever it is that they need so jaanat uh going against odium maybe whatever light she had was not replaced with void light but with some other kind of light so she is unmade but not in odium's image could it maybe? be maybe she was replaced with the the fusing of life light and void light whatever that is could be but that's all i've got for this section of the book okay i still think that the unmade are uh like started out as the spren of the honor blades hmm yeah because that that would be a big deal i think nine of them still think so which would then make by domishram likely originally the spren of um uh ishar's bondsmith blade I was going to say whatever the connection one was, because that, that would be the one because of how how it worked. Uh, and then we didn't get into Ishar stuff in part four, right? That's part five? Correct. Right. That's part five. Okay. Did we get into Yasna stuff in part four? Or was Not that part three all. and part five? Okay. So one thing I, I wanted to point out with a connection to uh, the words of Radiance chapters that we had, uh, I want to get into this now. So Shalon summons her shard blade in, in the chapters that we read this week. So this is where we actually see Pattern is there. He's he's busy sounding like Yasna, 
and then Shallan summons a Sharblade. When I first read this, I assumed that was Pattern manifesting, but I think that's actually her other Oh, but it was Pattern. Right, because Pattern is off getting the soldiers to help. So is that Pattern, or is that her her other Sharblade? It's Pattern and Pattern. (laughs) No, her other Pattern had a different name. Um... No, her other Pattern was named Pattern. She later named it something else. (laughs) Like, why? <laughs> They're all pattern. Yes, so, I, I agree to this. The original one was Testament. Testament, that's the one. So, is she summoning Testament? Yes. Okay. That's uh, that's sort of the, the clue that we're given here, that she is summoning a Sharblade. We later figure out, oh, the Sprins that they bond with are the Sharblades, so I just assumed that was pattern, but no, no, it's her other Sharblade. No, it's pattern. So, like... Like I mentioned, I think it was last week, um, when you see her summoning her blade right up until she gets to the end of the book when they're trying to flee through the Oath Gate. Yeah. And Pattern's like, well, we need some truths. And then she's able to summon Pattern as a living shard blade to operate the gate. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, I didn't read the chapters this week. Do we get a description of this shard blade? Like a a physical, like what it looks like? Because that's sort of a key thing to keep in keep an eye out for because i know we get a physical description of pattern as a shard blade i don't think we do uh i thought we got a good description of the blade later when um kaladin and when, Shalon when are down in the, yeah yeah when they're I down think in the we chasms. do but okay. i couldn't tell you for sure i want to get a we'll have to take a good look at that when we when we reach that which i think is happening somewhat soon after she reaches the shattered plains yeah there's the scene where Shallan says, I don't hate you, Pattern. I hate the Shardblade. Man, she has some repairing to do after this point with Testament. So then what truth is left for her to hit fifth ideal? Like if I know. Dude, guys, did you get chills when Formless was taking over? Yeah. That was a little, that was scary for all of like a chapter, I think. Oh, so Shallan being bonded to a blade and also having a spren. I think is the payoff for that word of Brandon of, yeah, you can be bonded to two's friend. Yeah. But I guess we'll have to see if there, if there are any, you know, other version, other variations of that. I think it's hard to do one with a, a recreant sprint because they sacrifice themselves. And I think they don't want to come back is, is why it's so different. And like you said, they don't really have a full bond with that person, but Shalon has a bond with her shard blade sprint. It is her spren. It's just it's a dead eye. So could Shallan become a double uh, light weaver? That's what I was thinking. Like, does that make her more powerful? Is she going to be able to do things that are beyond the scope of other radiants? Maybe that's why her soul casting sucks. <laughs> she needs another another cryptic light weaver times two combo. Or as <laughs> Fractal Doggo says, light weaver savant. Oh yes, savants are. Quite a power level. Well, I thought the uh, the Knights Radiant were immune to Savantism because their Stormlight healing would fix any damage that that, that would cause, like, before it has a chance to actually get to that point. Right, yeah, so it'll heal all the damage, but she can still have the advantages of being a Savant. There there are a lot of advantages bonding with the Sprint that prevent weird things like that. Um... I think I think the big thing from this chapter, of course, is that we sort of get a little bit more information about the recreants. The fact that the Sprint have chosen to sacrifice themselves. That is a big deal, and it's a mind shift. Oh, 
Dave kept going on about Star Spren. Should be Flame Spren? No, because Spren are based on how people think, and people don't think of stars as being big balls of fire. They think of stars as being pretty things in the sky that light up. Yep. Agree. Okay, we've talked for a long time. Can we stop talking? Yes, please. Bye, everybody. Um, okay, good night, Molly, Internet. Hold on. Save it for next time. Guys, can we... i just like to do some more theory crafting, and we don't get the opportunity to do this very often. Okay, what do you want to theory craft about now? I don't remember. All right, bye, okay, everybody. Save it for next week. Good night, Internet. Craig, you bye. need to say bye. Okay, bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at @cosmerecast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.